What's going on, everyone? I'm your host, JT. Back to you guys with another episode of the JT Sports Podcast. On this episode, I'm going to be giving you guys my AFC wildcard preview and predictions. We're going to be breaking down, talking about all of the upcoming AFC wildcard matchups. We got the Dolphins taking on the Buffalo Bills. Ravens, Bengals, Chargers, Jags. Before we dive into it, if you haven't already, make sure that you go ahead, like, subscribe to the channel. We upload NFL and college football content daily. Make sure that you check out the JT Sports Podcast available on all podcasting platforms. Apple, Google, Spotify, Amazon, wherever you get your podcast from, you can find the JT Sports Podcast. Rate us five stars, share the podcast with your friends, family members, and acquaintances if you enjoy. Let's get into it. The Miami Dolphins are going on the road to take on the Buffalo Bills. This is the third time this season these two teams have faced off. And right now, the season series is split. The Dolphins won the first matchup. The Bills won the second matchup. The Dolphins are really beat up right now. Tua has been ruled out for this matchup. He was unable to clear the concussion protocol. Teddy Bridgewater could start if able. Right now, he's still trying to recover from that finger injury. And it's expected that Skylar Thompson is going to get the start. But if Teddy Bridgewater is able to throw the ball pretty effectively... He could end up starting, but most likely Skylar Thompson will get the start in this game. For the Dolphins, you also could potentially be without Raheem Mostert, who was a big part in this offense. The last time the Dolphins played the Bills, Raheem Mostert had a fantastic performance. So if you don't have him, your run game is going to take a massive hit. And you definitely need your rushing attack to be effective if you want to have a chance at winning this game, regardless of who's at the helm under center, the rushing attack has to be the focal point. If the Dolphins are hoping to pull off the upset in this game, you're not going to beat the Buffalo Bills dropping back the pass 25 plus times with Skylar Thompson, maybe Teddy Bridgewater, since he is a little bit more experienced you can trust him a little bit more in this spot. Skylar Thompson, the most you probably want him throwing the football in this game, ideally, no more than 17, 18 times in this game. The Dolphins have to find a way to get the ball to their playmakers in space. Jalen Waddle, Tyreek Hill, they're the two best weapons that they have on the offense right now. The Dolphins are one of the best teams in the NFL at making things happen after the catch. So you have to be able to get the ball to Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle in space, rather that be with bubble screens, reverses. You just have to find a way to get your best playmakers the ball for this upset to happen. Miami's defense, though, they've been playing some really good football over the last couple of months. And if their offense was more efficient and their defense didn't have to be on the field for as many plays as they have been over the last couple of weeks, this probably could be one of the better defenses in the playoffs. This defense, though, has gotten torched the last two times the Dolphins have played the Bills. Josh Allen has had his way. I don't know what it is with Josh Allen and his Miami Dolphins defense, but the Dolphins don't really have too much answers for Josh Allen. Now, in the first game, they were able to beat the Bills because their red zone defense was really good in that game. They did a really good job at keeping the Bills out of the end zone. The second game, 
the roles were reversed. The Bills were the team who did the better job keeping the Dolphins out of the end zone when they got into the red zone. This defense has to be able to get Josh Allen off the field and third down situations and in the red zone. Those were the two biggest situations in the last game where Josh Allen really was eating up on this Dolphins defense. Now, if the Dolphins can keep Josh Allen in the pocket and they can force him to have to throw from inside there, I think they got a better chance winning that way. Yeah, Josh Allen can still beat you with his arm, but it's just that you rather him beat you with his arm versus him getting outside the pocket, extending plays, and keeping the drive alive on third down. I think it's way more frustrating when the quarterback is getting outside the pocket and you got everybody covered up and he just goes ahead and picks up the first down with his legs versus having everybody covered up. You keep them inside the pocket and hopefully that pass rush can get home. And I do think that the Dolphins pass rush and this game could do a little bit of damage. They probably will send a couple of extra guys to get after Josh Allen because that's what you have to do in order to try to slow him down. But this defense has to find the answer for Josh Allen. This defense has to have one of the greatest performances that we've ever seen from the Miami Dolphins and all their years being in the playoffs. This offense probably isn't going to do too much. You saw how this offense struggled against the great defense that the New York Jets had. So it's probably fair to expect this offense to continue to struggle this week going against the second best defense in the NFL led by Leslie Frazier. However, though, we got to talk about how the Dolphins potentially can win this game because there is a path to an upset here even though it's a fairly small one with a fairly low chance of happening there is a chance that the Dolphins can win this game well JT how can the Dolphins win this game well the first thing is that you got Josh Allen playing now yes Josh Allen has carved up the Dolphins before he's been having a fantastic season 35 touchdowns 762 rushing yards along with seven rushing touchdowns to go along with 4,283 passing yards. Josh Allen's been a monster this year. However, he has 16 total turnovers, 14 interceptions, and two lost fumbles. He has a tendency to play hero ball at times, causing him to be reckless in critical moments of the game. Now, the thing with Josh Allen is that he can get away with this at times because he's just so damn good and the Bills are just so doggone good as a team that they can overcome turnovers and miscues. If you're the Dolphins, when Josh Allen turns the football over, you got to capitalize. You can't afford to come away with field goals after you force turnovers in this game. You have to turn turnovers into touchdowns, okay? Your offense isn't going to put you in too many positions to score. So therefore, your defense has to help the offense out. Sometimes the best offense is a good defense. Good example is going to be in this game if the Dolphins are able to do this. Your defense has to be able to force turnovers, get the ball back to your offense. The Buffalo Bills, they're going to give you some opportunities to do that. They're a reckless team. This offense can be careless at times with the ball there's opportunity here to get some turnovers that can help assist your offense if you can get 14 points off turnovers in this game that's huge probably even 10 points would be huge going against as good as a defense that the buffalo bills have now 
Another thing that the Dolphins have to do to win this game is that outside of getting Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle the ball, you got to try to see some other ways to get some of your other not-so-big names involved, such as Mike Gusecki. You know, Mike Gusecki, I think, is one of the more athletically gifted tight ends in the league, and yet the Dolphins don't really utilize him all that much. So I think they need to do a better job at trying to get him involved because if the Bills just key in on trying to slow down Jalen Waddle and Tyreek Hill, who's that next guy who can step up and potentially go off? It could be Mike Gusecki. Now, for the Buffalo Bills, okay, You know that this team is a well-oiled machine. When they're clicking on all cylinders, this is probably the best team in the NFL. Yeah, they lost Von Miller, but you still have Ed Oliver, Gregory Rousseau, AJ Epinesa. This is still a team that is more than capable of being able to get pressure on the quarterback without Von Miller. This defense has been the second best defense in the NFL this season behind the 49ers. They're second in points per game allowed. They're sixth in yards per game allowed. They're seventh in third down defense. And they have the second best red zone defense in the NFL. When you get inside the 20-yard line against the Buffalo Bills, it's very hard to punch the ball into the end zone. Not to mention, they're fourth in takeaways. If you're a Bills fan right now, you're looking at this Dolphins offense, and it's pretty much all but dead, all but in the graveyard. You got to trot out Skylar Thompson. And listen, Skylar Thompson, I think, is solid if you could get him going with his legs. But when it comes to throwing the football, It's going to be a huge challenge for him against this Buffalo Bills secondary. Now, the Buffalo Bills are also really good at taking away the run. So for the Dolphins in this game, you know, it's going to be really tough for them to have success offensively against this Buffalo Bills defense. You may not have success running the football, and if you have to throw it to win, you're going to be at a huge disadvantage. Not to mention this game is going to be on the road. I'm taking the Buffalo Bills to get the win, and I think they cover as well. I think the Bills are going to win 34-10 to as my final score prediction in this game. And it's really unfortunate because I feel if Tua played in this game, the Dolphins definitely will have a way better chance. If Teddy Bridgewater plays, I think they got a 20% chance at winning this game. But even then, with Teddy Bridgewater, the problem with him is that he won't lose you any games. But he won't win you too many games neither. So give me the Buffalo Bills. I think they're going to win this game. Next matchup that we have to talk about, we have the Baltimore Ravens taking on the Cincinnati Bengals. Once again, we have more divisional rivals meeting up in the postseason for a third time. Both of these two teams have split the season series. The Ravens won the first matchup. The Bengals won the most recent one. For the Ravens, if you are a member of the Ravens flock, you're sad right now because it's unlikely that we see Lamar play in this game. He's still trying to heal from that PCL injury that he suffered a couple of months ago. And even if he is able to play in this game, he probably won't be no more than 70%. Now, 70% Lamar Jackson gives you a better chance to win this game than the majority of quarterbacks out there. But in the postseason, 
you want to have your franchise quarterback. So this is a major disadvantage that the Ravens are going in to this playoff game against Cincinnati without Lamar Jackson potentially. This defense, though, has been phenomenal. And it took a while. The first part of the season, we were looking at this defense, and we were like, man, when are they going to get this thing figured out? Well, they have the third in points per game, ninth in yards per game allowed. They can get off the field in third down situations, and they also can get after the quarterback. Cincinnati is a team that, at times, they can be kind of streaky. You know, the offense... With all the talent that they have at wide receiver or Joe Burrow at quarterback, Joe Mixon at running back, you know, sometimes this team offensively isn't there. If you want a good example, go back, look at the Tampa Bay Buccaneers game. If it wasn't for the five gifts that the Buccaneers gave Cincinnati in the third quarter, Cincinnati might have lost that game. And I say might simply for the fact that maybe their defense is able to get some more stops. But outside of that, Tampa Bay's defense was clamping up Cincinnati's offense. And even against New England, you know, New England's defense also, I think, gave Cincinnati a pretty tough time as well. So for the Ravens in this matchup, you know, your defense has the talent to match up pretty well against Cincinnati. Also, Cincinnati's offensive line with the injury to Lyle Collins. You wonder how they're going to hold up on that side. I think the Ravens' defense should be able to keep them in this game, at least for the first half. Now, the offensive side of the football for Baltimore is where your concern mostly lies. The offensive line is straight. You know what the Ravens do on the ground. They're second in the NFL in rushing yards per game. You know what they want to do. They want to come in. They want to play bully ball. They want to run the ball down your throat. They want to eat up all the clock. They want to keep your offense off the field. They want to keep your defense on the field. They want to tire you out. They want to wear you down for the first three quarters. And then that's where they really start to get those big body blows in the fourth quarter. The problem with that is that You're either going to have Tyler Huntley or Anthony Brown at quarterback. And Tyler Huntley, the last time I checked the injury report, he was a little banged up too. So the Ravens quarterback position going into this game is a huge concern. If you're trying to beat Cincinnati, you have to be able to find a way to score at least 20 points in this matchup. Now, how are you going to get the 20 points? It's mostly going to hinge on your defense getting stops. Maybe they can come away with a turnover or two. Joe Burrow has been really good at taking care of the football this year. For the Ravens, your passing game is probably the biggest question mark in this game. And it's the biggest question mark in this game, not because, you know, it's a threat, but simply for the fact that, you know, How effective and how much production are you going to get out of the passing game in this playoff matchup? You know, yeah, the run game is important, but you know what the model is in 2023 when it comes to to today's NFL. It's a passing league. You have to be able to throw the football to win. The Baltimore Ravens, outside of Mark Andrews and Demarcus Robinson, who the hell else do they have in the passing game who who Cincinnati's defense can look at and say, oh yeah, they're a threat. Not really too many. So for Cincinnati, 
They load the box. They take away the run. What is Baltimore? That's it. So for the Ravens, you know, their keys to winning this game, you got to take care of the football. You have to be able to keep Cincinnati's offense at bay, at least into the fourth quarter. You want to be able to kind of bottle up Cincinnati's offense. I don't think Cincinnati offensively is going to get shut down by anybody, regardless of how good the opposing defense is. But I do think at times they start out a little bit slow. And for the Baltimore Ravens, if you can get out to a fast lead early and you can get Cincinnati playing from behind, you really like your chances because then you can chew clock. And even if Cincinnati's offense gets going, as long as you maintain that lead, you continue to take time off the clock. You don't allow Cincinnati's offense to come back and tie the game up or you don't allow them too much time to get back into the game. So it's really important that the Ravens do these two things, okay? To beat Cincinnati, you got to be able to control time possession, keep Joe Burrow off the field. You got to be able to make sure that you can get out to a fast lead early. If you can get out to a fast lead early, controlling town possession is going to do you a major advantage because then you can keep Joe Burrow off the field. Since you already have a lead, then that puts a little bit more pressure on Cincinnati and less pressure on your quarterback. The last thing they have to do to win this game is you have to dominate the field position battle. Okay. Special teams, I think, could be huge in a game like this for Baltimore. When you're, when you're an offense that's struggling to move the ball effectively downfield, you have to find ways to put your offense into easy situations to get easy points. And most of the times, outside of forcing turnovers, the best way to do that is by winning on special teams, getting a couple of big returns, winning the field position battle, seeing if you can put Cincinnati inside the 10 to start their drives. There just has to be, you know, a complete performance from the Baltimore Ravens for them to win this game. Now for Cincinnati, I think the recipe for the winning formula in this game is pretty simple, okay? Keep Joe Burrow upright. Try to get the Ravens down early. This is a team that doesn't play well from behind, especially without Lamar. Yeah, you like your chances forcing Tyler Huntley or whoever they have at quarterback being you through the air. You'll take your chances with that. You can't allow the Ravens run game to get going. You allow this Ravens run game to get going. This is going to be a ball game, okay? If the Ravens are able to play to their strength and they're able to play to their identity, that's going to allow them to stay in this game. You see, if you're Cincinnati, you want to get the Ravens uncomfortable. They're already hell of uncomfortable without Lamar Jackson in this game. So you can make them even more comfortable by forcing them to have to get away from their game plan and forcing them to have to throw the football 25 plus to win this game. If you ask Coach Harbaugh, What's his biggest nightmare scenario for this matchup? He probably will tell you, we won't be able to run the football and we got to throw the ball to win. That's our biggest fear. So if you're Cincinnati, you get the Ravens quarterbacks having to throw the football to this lackluster group of wide receivers and Mark Andrews really being your only major threat. 
you know, I think Cincinnati has a pretty good chance at winning the ball game if the game ends up going in that direction, if they can't completely take away the run. And Cincinnati doesn't just have to flat out stop the run game of Baltimore. If they get out to a lead early and they go into halftime up 24-3, Baltimore's going to have to have a little bit more urgency. They're going to have to score a little bit faster. So therefore, that's going to take away how many times they can run the football. I'm taking Cincinnati to win this game. I think this game potentially could be close for the first couple of quarters, but ultimately I expect Cincinnati to pull away sometime during the third quarter. Even if Lamar does play somehow, some way, I'm still not expecting the Ravens to pull off the win. I just think to beat this Cincinnati team, you need a healthy Lamar, and you need more from your passing game to beat them. Your defense is good enough to keep you around, and even if you do force some turnovers, you know, is your offense going to be able to capitalize off those mistakes? I doubt it. So give me the Bengals to win. 27-14 is my final score prediction for this matchup. The last game we have to talk about and the game that I'm the most excited to watch out of all of the AFC wildcard matchups, the Los Angeles Chargers going on the road to say it with me, three, two, one. Duval to take on the AFC South champions, the Jacksonville Jaguars. This game is going to be played Saturday, 8.15 p.m. Eastern Time on NBC the Chargers at the moment are favorite by one point at the time I'm recording this. The Chargers and the Jaguars, to me, have a lot of similarities, okay? When you think of these two teams, the first thing that comes to the front of your head is, or the front of your mind, are the quarterbacks. Justin Herbert, Trevor Lawrence, these two teams are most definitely quarterback dependent. I was asked the question a couple of days ago by a friend, how far can the Jaguars go in the playoffs? And I told him, I don't know. It depends on how far Trevor Lawrence can take them. And you can say the same thing when it comes to Justin Herbert and the Los Angeles Chargers. You know, the Los Angeles Chargers were a team that battled through injuries for the majority of this season. Late down the stretch, though, they started to get healthy. They started to play way better. The offense started to open things up a lot more. You look at the Jaguars. They were a team that the start of the season, they didn't know how to win. But as you progressed week by week, this was a team that started to learn how to win more and more. You saw their comeback against the Ravens, the Dallas Cowboys. You saw them just beat the Tennessee Titans for the division at home. So not only is this a team that now knows how to win, but this is a team that is incredibly tough to beat at home. And when Trevor Lawrence is playing at peak level, this is probably one of the toughest and most dangerous teams to face in the playoffs. Now, the Chargers are the same way. Justin Herbert, there was a stretch where Keenan Allen was banged up and you couldn't get him and Mike Williams on the field. And yet, Justin Herbert was still balling out despite having injuries on the offensive line, injuries at wide receiver. So these are two quarterback-dependent teams. So if one quarterback comes out and just flat-out outperforms the other, 
that team most likely is going to win. For example, if Trevor Lawrence comes out, has a fantastic performance, but Justin Herbert has an average game, the Jaguars are most likely going to win, vice versa. These are two teams that I don't think are completely good all around. I think these are two teams that just have good enough rosters to support their elite young quarterbacks. If you are asking these two teams to win outside of good performances from their quarterbacks, I think you're kind of asking a lot. The Chargers have a lead passing attack, Keenan Allen, Mike Williams, who is expected to play in this game. You got Joshua Palmer, also can't forget about Austin Eckler coming out of the backfield. This passing attack is super dynamic, okay? Especially when you have to guard Mike Williams, who catches damn near everything. I mean, Keenan Allen still is proven to be a top 10 receiver in the game. And you got Austin Eckler, who also can line up in the slot and kind of be like a fourth to fifth receiver in certain situations. So this is a really difficult passing attack to defend, especially when Justin Herbert gets going and he's utilizing his legs. So then you got to account for that, which takes a guy out of coverage because then you got to put a spy. So this passing attack of the Chargers is one of the best in the NFL, but they don't have a lot of success offensively running the football. They're 30th in the NFL in rushing yards per game. They average 3.8 yards per carry. And I think that's where you start to see the differences between these two teams. The similarities were there are two teams that kind of are built around their elite young quarterbacks. But at the same time, offensively, yes, both of these two teams have really good passing attacks. But the Jaguars' rushing attack is better than the Chargers' rushing attack. So that's the big difference between these two offenses and these two teams, at least when you compare these two offenses. The Chargers can't really run the football all that effectively. Meanwhile, the Jaguars can with Travis Etienne. So for the Chargers, defensively, that's a problem. You know, the Jaguars, they can stop the run. They were able to slow down Derrick Henry. This is a pretty solid run defense. You can't stop the run. You're 28th in the NFL in run defense. You give up 145.8 rushing yards per game. That's a big problem. So with the Jacksonville Jaguars, you know, you get Trevor Lawrence going, you get Travis Etienne going, and you're able to play complimentary football. That puts the Chargers at a disadvantage. The Chargers, in this game, the only way they can possibly win is by airing the football out. Meanwhile, the Jaguars can beat you two different ways. Yeah, Trevor Lawrence still has to have a good game, regardless if the ground game is going or not. But you won't have to rely on Trevor Lawrence as much to win this game compared to the Chargers pretty much needing Justin Herbert to carry them. Because they don't really have that great of a ground game. So for the Jacksonville Jaguars, offensively, you're more balanced. You can afford to play a more complimentary style of football without having to overly rely on your quarterback and Trevor Lawrence. And this is going to be Trevor Lawrence's first ever playoff game. Same thing with Justin Herbert. You know, neither one of these quarterbacks have been here before. But with Trevor Lawrence, though, still in ascension mode, There's a possibility that maybe he comes out a little bit flat, like how he did against the Tennessee Titans, which is important why the Jacksonville Jaguars have that run game and Travis Etienne to lean on. And 
the Jaguar supporting cast is no slouch. As a matter of fact, I think their wide receiving core is just as good as the Chargers. Yeah, you don't have anybody who's on the level of a Mike Williams or a Keenan Allen, but you do have Christian Kirk, Zay Jones. Both of those two guys are having phenomenal seasons. Evan Ingram is having a career resurgence. Travis Etienne as well. So this is a really good supporting cast that the Jaguars also have. Their offensive line is pretty solid, even though their interior of their O-line was getting beat up at times by the Tennessee Titans. I think that the Jaguars offensively are better than the Chargers offensively, simply for the fact that they're more balanced and you have the run game at your disposal. Now, defensively, when you look at these two teams, I think it's pretty evenly matched. Now, the Chargers are the more talented team defensively. And this defense has played some pretty good football over the last month, okay? Stats may not reflect it, but they had a pretty good performance against the Miami Dolphins a couple of weeks ago on Sunday Night Football where they just completely shut down that Dolphins offense. Those receivers, Tua couldn't really get nothing going. So this Chargers defense is talented. The problem is they don't play up to the level of talent that they have on the defense, regardless of the injuries they have, because they shut down the Dolphins offense with a backup cornerback who did a pretty good job. I think his name was Michael Davis when he was covering Tyreek Hill. So, I mean, like, I don't want to hear anything about injuries when it comes to the Chargers, bro. This is a defense that's more than capable of being able to show up and show out when they're able to execute. The Jaguars defense, on the other hand, they got talent. You got Foyer Luakon, once again, leading the NFL in tackles. You do have, you know, a solid secondary. Not great, solid secondary that is pretty good at being able to come away with big takeaways and big moments. And that's the thing that I think separates the Chargers defense from the Jaguars defense. The Jaguars defense... Although it isn't great, it rises up in big moments. You saw what they did against the Dallas Cowboys when you had the walk-off pick six by Rashawn Jenkins in overtime. You saw this defense coming away with two big turnovers late against Tennessee. Meanwhile, for the Chargers defense, they are a defense that has the talent. It just depends on... What day they wake out of the bed. One day they wake up and they can perform at a really high level. And one day they can wake up and look mid. The Jaguars defensively, they show up in big moments. And the Chargers defense, they show up kind of when they want to. Now, I think when you try to determine who's going to win this game, the home field advantage is going to be a huge factor for Jacksonville, okay? The city of Jacksonville is going to show up and they're going to show out. If you saw or you was in attendance for that Tennessee game, this game is just going to be as packed, as loud. It's going to be a really hostile place for the Chargers to go pick up a win. I like the Jacks to win this game. And yeah, you know, some people may say the Chargers are a more talented team you know, you're getting Joey Bosa, Khalil Mack, Kyle Van Noy, all those guys have been really good at getting pressure on the quarterback. Joey Bosa has missed the majority of this year, but he has, you know, started to come back. 
um, and starting to get back in the form. You still got Khalil Mack, can't overlook him. The secondary talented, you got Darren James and Zara Adderley. You got Asante Samuel Jr. But overall, just a lot of inconsistency that I see from the Chargers. I'm going to go with the Jags, man. Like, yeah, you can say, well, JT, aren't the Jags kind of inconsistent? Yeah, they are inconsistent. But it's just that the Jaguars have more ways they can beat you compared to the Chargers. The Chargers can only beat you one way. That's Justin Herbert and everybody else. The Jaguars can beat you with Trevor Lawrence. And as I said, Trevor Lawrence still needs to have a good performance to win this game. But at the same time, he doesn't have as much pressure on him to have outstanding performance compared to Justin Herbert. Justin Herbert has to carry this team for them to win. Meanwhile, Trevor Lawrence... He could throw two touchdowns for 250 yards, and that's good enough for the Jaguars to get the win as long as the run game is there for Jacksonville like it has been for the majority of this year. The Chargers aren't a good team when it comes to taking away the run. I think the Jaguars just are the better team in this matchup. They can win multiple ways. They can beat you with Trevor. They also can have success with Travis Etienne. And this defense has shown us on multiple occasions that they're able to come up and make big stops in critical moments. I like the Jaguars to win this game. This is it for my AFC Super Wildcard preview and predictions. Let me know your predictions down in the comment section down below if you're listening to this episode of the podcast on YouTube. If not, Make sure that you give us a five-star review on Apple, Spotify, whichever podcasting platform that you're listening to this right now. I appreciate you guys for listening to this episode of the JT Sports Podcast. We'll be back with another episode shortly with my NFC Super Wildcard predictions. Make sure you like the video, subscribe to the channel, check out the JT Sports Podcast, and I'll see you guys with another episode shortly.